I'm so popular. We are out in Shinjuku tonight. It's me and a new friend of the show. And last week we discussed William Shakespeare's Julius Caesar and the music of Maurice Ravel on a Patreon exclusive episode. But tonight we are live in the neck of Shinjuku, back at the same smoking cafe that I recorded the TPN episode in. And I'm joined by a very special guest to discuss two of the most important artistic events in my entire life that I literally live by. They have changed the direction of my entire artistic worldview and float around in my brain endlessly. No one knows anything about these things. They are completely obscure. We are going to introduce this, but we are talking about the Keikizaka 46 variety TV show titled Keikite Kakenai from 2015 to 2020, and the Sakura third anniversary live show, which was just last weekend. And speaking of my special guest, who are you? My name is Carlton, longtime fan of ISP. Been on the Discord for like three years or something. Yeah, before it was even a paid exclusive, you've been around. Yeah, I found like that random website you had where it was like I'm popular. Dot me. It was yeah. I'm popular. Dot me. A relic yeah. from the past. Yeah, because I was just like this. This podcast is really something. So I was like, I had to find everything. Amazing. And, yeah. And that's how you entered the Discord. Yeah, that's how I entered it. Yeah. And then I remember we we were often in spaces a lot. We yeah. chatted quite a bit. Yeah. And the spaces slowed down. Yeah, the spaces I don't do anymore. Yeah. That's over. Start over. But um, you've been a major part of the Discord, which is available only for paid subscribers. But um, on top of that, I met you for the first time last year. Last in November. Just, yeah, last November. Yeah. You saw me perform at Utada Night, even. I did. You, you're a real Chi-Chi fan. I am a stan, <laughs> yeah. I've been there I've been here for a while. Chi-Chi is your Oshi. So true. <laughs> so true, King. Well, what are you doing, Carlton? Um, I'm living, loving. Uh, my company is based in Asia, so I've been traveling a lot in Asia recently. And like, I've been to Taiwan twice recently. And um, but yeah, I mean, I love Japan. And um, I'm very excited to talk about this idol group with you. Oh, I am too. And I wouldn't say, why do you follow me, but why are we friends? We are friends because... I was probably one of the more reliable people on Discord, and so you were like, you need to be a mod, and so, <laughs> yeah. And, um, you and Fella. But I feel like, I, I feel like Sam and I, we break, we break away from the, uh, the, you know, like the stereotypical mod. I think I'm pretty cool. I think you're a very cool mod, but I don't think even people know you're a mod. Yeah. We have a special color. Yeah. For real. Color. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, um, I had a really lovely time last time you visited, and I took it to Golden Guy with my ex-boyfriend, which yep. is really funny, yep. and you came and saw me at Utada night, and yep. um, sometimes I'm so boiled into my Japanese element that I can forget what it looks like from the outside. 
but then you come in and you're such a sparkling gleam of joy for this beautiful country that it's, it's almost overwhelming to look at. It's like looking at a star and you go blind from it or going snow blind. It's very nice of you to say. But I really do think so. You do have a lust for life. You have such a love for movies and physical media and yeah, yeah, yeah. you are the first person in I'm So Popular History to be indoctrinated by the Kei Kizaka episode and you became a fan. Yeah, because you've tried to get other people. I've tried endlessly. Yeah. Secretly, my mission of the show is to get people indoctrinated into J-pop, but you were the only one... Yeah, because you got plenty of people in the Utada. Plenty of people, oh, plenty of people so into, many. into Perfume. So many people into Perfume. So many people into Amino Namie. Yeah. Kei Zaka is the most difficult and impenetrable layer of yeah. my show's well, Sam's starting to listen to it. He likes the music, but he never went deeper than that. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Because I remember when, when, it, when it first hit, he was like, Sound Majority, I really love this song. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Kiyakizaka is hard to get into, but I mean, but it's really not. It's really not. It's really easy. It's actually, you just watch the show. Yeah, and okay. That's it. So, I talked about Kiyakizaka earlier this year with Jacques from Unpopular in an episode titled Silent Majority. I re-listened to it. It's one of my favorite episodes I've ever done. I did a photo shoot recreating the first um, single cover, and I, it, it goes, it, it bears repeating, but Kiyakizaka is truly one of the most important musical, like, influences and pieces of my artistic character full stop it is that major to me and I had never seen them live we got to see them live in their new formation um, this past weekend and we're talking about one of the most important parts of this idol group's artistic output which is their variety TV show so I did the the silent majority episode you get a little tickled because I know you you're a little bit interested in idols after you visited for the first time but how did you yeah. make the choice to watch this show well I started watching clips of Nagahama Neru because I thought she was really cute uh-huh. and so I was watching clips and and I'd watch Terrace House uh-huh. Teddy's House and I was I watched like five seasons of that and each of those seasons like 50 episodes yeah and it's a lot it's a lot of content it's a lot but it's really good and, and that was actually one of the things that made me realize that outside of the the like the mondo entertainment of like you know like Ultraman or like Common Rider or Power or like Tokusatsu, Super yeah. Outside of that, like Japan culture is just so much different from America. Totally. Teddy's house is like very it's Big Brother, but it's so slow and it's slow it's so deliberate and there's so little that happens on it. But it is very it's much more riveting than than Big Brother or anything mm. like that. And so when I watched that, probably 2014, I don't know. I don't know when I watched that. Um, it definitely keyed me into it. And so I wanted to see some kind of variety show mm. because Teddy's House has the commentary, but it's not really a variety show. Yeah, they have Tananto, and Tananto in Japanese is the TV commentators who appear on comedy programs as well as basically anything you can imagine. And give commentary, make jokes about, and uh, provide a personality that is sort of this like layer to the show that you're watching. Yeah. It's a really important fixation of Japanese television. They're everywhere. Taranto is an inescapable part of the country's culture. Yeah. And Terrace House is a really good um, introduction to like what that is, because you do see it, and for Western audiences, it is strange and inscrutable at first. Well, also, I think the North American version is different from the Japanese version. In the Japanese version, you still see the cut-ins from the, the commentators while you're watching. Right. And, and the American version, you see none of that. They no. just 
they just show the scenes and then they have the Tarantos. Right. So I even saw a filtered version of it. Um, but also, like, I just got the idea of what a variety show would be like from Boston Translation. So Of course, yeah. the game show, the, the famous sequence. And it is funny because, like, the spirit of the Boston Translation depiction is right. Yeah. Like, there is, like, a, a sadistic element of torture at play that exists and is uh, a little uncanny and strange and like alien octopus like you feel like you're looking at some sort of monstrosity that's completely inscrutable to understand but then once you get adjusted to it it becomes like it, it clicks in yeah 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 no i mean if like i mean can't get to is nowhere near as brutal as like that uh that show that you had talked about with uh, with with uh, oh Miho. yeah uh, Denpa Shonen on the Miho episode when we talked about the Kahara Tomomi episode Kahara where Tomomi. they ship her off to fucking yeah America and torture her it's not it as bad as that one hundredth of that but it's it, there is definitely there's always a sadistic element yeah um, but, but yeah I mean I, I wanted to learn more about the variety show thing but basically I told you like I was like what if Nagahama Nedu would be a great host for Tennis House and you're like you should just watch the show like just watch mm. Kiyaki Takanai. And, um, I mean, it's a big show, but it's so interesting. And like you said, it's like, once you get started, it's, it's like habitual. Like you just, mm. you just want to keep watching. Absolutely. So, yeah. so the show that we're talking about as the, the main crux of conversation today is titled Keakite Kakenai. I'm going to say it two more times because I know whenever I speak Japanese in this show, it goes in one ear and out the other. It is Keakite Kakenai. You can say it at home. Repeat after me. Keakite Kakenai, and it means, can you write the kanji character for Keaki, which is a kind of tree, and is also, of course, a part of the idol group's name. And the show depicts uh, the very foundations of the group. It shows them from the moment that they debut uh, throughout their whole career. It airs every Sunday night at uh, 1.30 a.m. on TV Tokyo. 12.30? 12.30. Sorry, Hello Project is 1.30. But yeah, they air very late at night on Sundays, and uh, every week they have certain games or situations or conversation topics, and they put uh, the cast members of the group uh, through whatever theme of the episode it is, and the show is, I believe, 200 and how many? It's 250. It's 250 it's episodes, yeah. And then we're at about 150 for Soko Magatara Sakurazaka. Right, so it's 250 episodes, each is 20 minutes, and it's all subtitled, and it is uh, available for your free viewing pleasure. It is extremely accessible. You yeah. don't have to go looking for it. All you have to do is go to kavids.com, and it is all there and subtitled. Yeah. Um, it is done by fans, mostly by Malaysian fans yeah. and Indonesian fans who are really passionate about Japanese idols, and they do these wild fan subs that are between... Not that good, well, and it's very trans- good. It's translated from Japanese to Indonesian, yes. and then Indonesian to English. So, so some of the the translations are wonky as all hell, and this is a great Japanese primer because after a few episodes, they just expect that you get a lot of these words. Yeah. yeah. So, it is uh, definitely an, a strange, uncanny viewing experience if you're watching it with subtitles because it's layered through so many different. Um, language barriers and uh, it is one of like because there's so many language barriers in the translation it becomes like almost its purest and rawest form when you're watching it yeah but I mean the content itself is like very pedestrian it's not oh, like absolutely. They're, they're not saying crazy stuff like it's not you know deep you know because this is a show about the idol group Keikizaka they are all 
13, 14, 15, and 16-year-old girls, and they don't have a lot going on upstairs. And so they do not speak in big sentences. And I've forced this show on some of my friends who can speak Japanese, and they're like, well, this show's easy to understand because they're all fucking stupid. That's an ongoing theme of the show, is that maybe five out of 20 girls have any sense at all. Oh, yes. Most of them are fools. Yeah. And they get the fool called out and beaten out of them in public, live on TV. It is wild, but I think... The reason that this show is not only such a key part of my artistic understanding of things as of late, and as well as the easiest way to become a fan of this group, is because you get to watch in real time the development of all of these girls. And because it's a reality TV show, it is real. It's unscripted, and it feels especially raw and unexposed. And so you're watching these girls uh, reconcile with their image, and over time, try to find a way to be a public personality and the active process by which they start slowly defining their existences on screen is one of the most compelling narratives I've ever seen in televised art ever. Yeah. And it's very, it's, it is unscripted, but it's also very directed by staff. Yeah, it's very directed and... And also, when you rewatch it, you realize how much input that Suchita-san and Sawabe-san have with like how these how these girls like characterize themselves. That's something worth noting: is that although it is a show about these girls going through whatever trial of the week they're going through, um, it is hosted by two older Japanese comedians, who is Suchita and Sawabe, and they are both um, from the comedy industry in Japan. And they are basically the hosts of the show. They're the ones who stir the conversation, make fun of the girls, introduce everything, and their presence is essential. Yeah. And it's very... You you realize how much they define the character. Because basically, the the girls just, like, do something. They say something funny. And then they point out, like, what's weird about that. Right, right, right. What's funny. And then... So, like, I think the most direct example is Nagasawa. Nagasawa Nanako. Yeah. Because she does, like, things that are, like, a little bit scary. And they point it out. And then they're, like, scary. You know? They're like, yeah, bye. So... (laughs) Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they definitely have a very important role. And they're also so funny. They're very funny. Suchida-san is so funny. I mean... He's such a dry wit. Yeah. And as Samuel and I have talked about as well, he is very sexy. Yeah, he he's is, your type. Yeah, he is uh, an older Japanese man with a serious heterosexual face. And it is so appealing to me that I have become aroused watching the show three times. So... <laughs> at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um... But yeah, all of this is to say that it is this really uncanny social experiment where we are watching the active development of these young girls who have willingly put themselves into this brutal talent machine that is very strict and very harsh, and watching them kind of flail and struggle with it and try to come up with their own beings um, against kind of this really rigid system is very inspiring and narratively rich. Yeah, and the thing about them is that when they start off Kiyaki Zaka, they literally all look the same. And then, it's true. As they develop their characters and they, and they, they like have more freedom with how they style themselves. Because there's a thing about the show is that like a lot of people characterize idol, idol content or idol fixations as being like, like pervy, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's actually like, I mean, for Sakurazaka, 50% of the audience are women, 50% are men. 
it's a very like Barbie type thing. Mm. Like you're basically a lot of the a lot of the shifts and like what happens on screen is literally how the girls mm. change their hair or mm. how they change their uniforms mm. or and and so like these girls they start off they look literally all the same and then they all morph their image over time. Yeah. And so like Izumi has the cancer haircut or <laughs> You know, like Koike changes her hair color a bunch of times. Mm. Shida Monica changes her hair color a bunch of times. Yeah, and and so they, as they they kind of evolve, but it's it's not the same way that you evolve with like Power Rangers. Like with Power Rangers, there's an evolution every year. Mm. With this, it's like it's gradual, and you you start noticing inklings of it, and you've been rewatching it, so you can probably see it in even more detail. Yeah, but it is fascinating because the shifts and developments that they make are like so small but like so impactful so when girls start trying to present themselves differently or they start trying harder um, they it become they become more present on the show and like their voices are heard more and so you get this really like fully fleshed narrative arc and on top of that you get this strange meta narrative where the girls are also commenting on their own appearance changes because the hosts introduce, like, oh, you changed your hair, or oh, you did this, like, it is a constant, like, this state of flux, this start-over state of things is yeah. constantly in mind. And I, I always think about this Momo, one of the girls, her name is Odonana. She cries on stage because she doesn't think that people see her as a woman, and they see her as kind of, like, a strange clown. And she has, like, actual genuine weeping tears on TV because she's not being perceived in the way that she wants to. Yeah, well, that's the, you're talking about the episode where they, like, she does a sound that sounds like a trans woman. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's one-san? Is that the word? They say one. One-san. They just say one. One. Yeah, so one is the word for faggot or tranny, basically, and it's, like, a, a colloquial, like, kind of way of referring to, like, uh, like, you know, like, oh, like, yada. Like, yada. Yada. Yeah, so they say that she sounds kind of like One in one episode, and then she breaks into tears because she's so divorced from the image that she wants. And you see all these girls actually struggle with this. Like, so many of them, they all want to be, like, what, Sato Shiori is the one that they're aspiring to be? Um, no, they want to be, like, uh, Watanabe Risa. Oh, yeah. That is what, yeah. And who I find fine, but they all, I want to be the princess type, I want to be pure, lovable no, they want to be Kobayashi Yui, that's right yeah. and so they all want to be beautiful, pure wholesome idol, yeah. but then they cannot possibly reach that expectation and so they are constantly failing while aspiring to be that yeah. and the second that they fail and slip up even the slightest bit, the hosts call attention to it and then it becomes a running gag for the rest of the show Yes. The, this is as evident as um, one of the earlier episodes where they have the girls do physical trials that test their athleticism and my favorite member her name is Ozeki Rika she has a very strange run and so they have her do this uh, relay race basically and they make fun of her mercilessly and ridicule her for her strange run and for the rest of her career as an idol she is never able to escape it they make it a, a meme they call it Ozeki style and she is never ever able Ozeki style the second that she slips up socially even just a bit, it's over. It's Ozeki style. It's Ozeki style. Yeah. Which I relate to. Because I, I have this like narrative in my head that everyone is like keeping really intense track of all of my developments. And so whenever I feel I slip up and like miss the mask, then they're like, ooh, Chi-Chi style. Yeah. No, it's very... It's pretty crazy. But isn't yeah. there something really like real about that, don't you think? 
the fact that you can't escape your past. The fact that you're aspiring to be something and all of your flaws are then put immediately on display. Like, I feel like there's something really like honest and almost like touching and heartwarming about like the the pageant and the ridicule that they do when you miss your aspired yeah. well, identity. They, there's like so they have this uh, this type of episode that they do at the end of every year. And it's this thing. Oh, they do one where they wait. So there's an episode where they basically say uh, they have this embarrassing section, and they're like, "Should we keep this or should we throw it away?" Mm. And so they would have like Oseki style. Should we keep it or should we throw it away? Yeah. And then Suchita-san always says, "Keep it." Yeah. You know. So it's like whatever, whatever embarrassing thing you went through, uh, that that made you who you are. So mm. you have to embrace it. Right. And. Um, and, you know, if, if Oseki didn't have that weird-ass run, she wouldn't be Oseki. I wouldn't care about her. Yeah. The reason that I love her is because she is... <laughs> because she's a fool, and she's so cute, and yeah. I like watching her aspire to be something that she's not, fail at it, and then gradually, over the span of 250 episodes, plus the continuation, where she is... Learning how to swallow that into her like her character and like be exactly like who the person she really is. Yeah, yeah. There's a really touching episode, and it's the Black History episode. The Black History episode. <laughs> Which one is that? The Brakurakishi episode. Um, it's not talking about the history of black people because there are none of those in Japan. They are talking about the history when they have some scar in their past, and so oh, they yeah. take the girls up who've had a humiliating moment on TV. Yes. And then they say, should we clear this from the record? Okay, that's what I was talking about. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a Black History episode. It's not the Paper Shredder episode. It's the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ozeki Rika has to talk about her drooling on TV. That's right. When during, during a really bad impression, she has to talk about the Ozeki style. And she cries on this episode and is like, oh my god, I've become a clown character. And they say, Ozeki, you are a clown and we, that's why you're important. We love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, no, it's good. It's like, because the thing about the show is that it's so, uh, it's kind of like when your episode about um, about all the Gundam animes. Which ones? Ha- the Gundam. Oh, yeah. It's like, there's so, it's so repetitive. You're watching every episode, and I know you don't like the athletic episodes. I, no. think, I think they're okay. Uh, there are some that are better than others. Yeah. It's it's a very repetitive show, but there are very clear episodes where there are emotional climaxes. Oh yeah, and really, like there are some episodes where there's important elements, like like what you're talking about, where you, you see something become very clear. But there are just hits of pure emotion that are mm. just incredible. Yeah, and one of those I think that it's interesting to talk about are the sandbox episodes. So. I described this in the last episode for new listeners or for whoever needs a reminder. Senbatsu is the organization of girls for a single. So you want to be center, or maybe you don't, but center is the um, focal point of attention. You'll be on the cover of the uh, of the complete edition of the single. You will be the most prominently featured in the music video. You will have the most lines. You'll be responsible for doing the most dancing, and you're basically like the weight of the whole thing. You're, you're like the, the lead singer of it. Yeah. And they have episodes where they announce the formation of the girls and have them line up in order from the back row to the middle row to the next row to the center. And honestly, I think the most important element is the fact that the center 
is at the front and can't see anyone else. Because, you know, I did dance for, like, six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're in the front row, like, you can't model your moves after anyone. No, you have to know what you're doing. You have to know what you're doing. Everyone's counting on you. And it's so wild because they do these announcement episodes that take up sometimes the whole bulk of the show where they announce in order everyone's appearance in, in, and you can see the fear in their eyes. There are some girls who are really displeased about being put in the back and then there is the mortal terror of some girls when they realize that they are at the fucking front. It is extreme emotional stress on reality TV that is more perilous and dark than something like 90 Day Fiance. Yeah. And it's funny how Techie will... She basically has the same reaction every time. She's like, I'm going to do my best. And then she's like weepy and upset because she has to do... Techie was the, the, as we've said before, was the center for every single during the uh, initial run of Keikizaka. And she basically, from the second single on, she's always like about to break into tears or something. But then she holds herself back and she says, I will do my best. I can remember what she says. She says... Which means there is literally nothing in my heart but anxiety. But I'm going to do my best. Yeah. And you can see it in her face. They all are weepy and crying. Um, our favorite member, one of them, Nagahama Neru, was originally a part of a subgroup. And then when they finally invited her to be on a main single, the entire audience of girls just breaks into te- like. All of the members start weeping and screaming because they're so moved. Yeah. Everyone loves Nedu. And it's not affected. It's real. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, Nedu was a very important part of the group. Yeah. And that's what was so, it hit so hard when she left so early. She mm-hmm. left in 2018. She's only two and a half years into it. She was the only other center way that they have. But, I mean, it's like, when you watch this whole series in order and see everything sequentially you like really see like the formations of these bonds and like I can't think of almost any other media I've ever seen that has like the full tract of changing yourself and evolving and developing as a person as this show yeah it's every week the show is every week and it definitely like a theme for the show is it's just it's, it's about persistence but it's also about life and death I mean it's like these, you see these girls grow over time. Mm. You also see, like, the host grow over time. Like, Absolutely. Literally. I mean, because it's like, when you look at the host of the Nogizaka show from when it started to now, I mean, he's aged, like, 15 years. Yeah. You know, he's a lot older. And it's like, these shows are about how time just doesn't stop. It just keeps going. It's... You, oh, that's yeah. so true. It's relentless and intense. Yeah. Like, the onslaught of time is, like, Proustian levels of realization in this show yeah. like there is nothing that reminds you so much of mortality as like watching these girls when you can compare them to the beginning of the show where they are silent bumbling awkward messes and then seeing them actualized and full spirited living people yeah. towards the back half of it because these girls they stay in the group for a long time they do I mean, like Koike has been in it since 2015 so yep. that means she's been in there for seven and a half years yep I mean, Kobayashi Ui is the same way. I mean... Do you want another beer, by the way? Um, sure. I also need to use the restroom again. I do, too, actually. Yeah. Well, on that note, let's take a quick break. Okay. Ah. 
田てるきさん<笑>
community of people who live together in the same area and like do similar things. And so even though we're entirely different people from different countries and all that thing, it's like because of that Japanese cultural insistence on putting value in your social relationships and putting arc and narrative into it, like you saw, like, you know, they cared about me and talked to me and are interested. And that's something that, that shows on this show and is like a really valuable, like, ethic I think it's like it's a almost like a civic duty that I feel is so missing in you know modern American culture yeah but when you watch on this show it is intense and heartbreaking when you see these girls go to like the tennis shops that they used to go to yes yeah was that Orarana who was that no that was Moria yeah I thought it yeah I thought it yeah yeah. It was Moria. And so when you see her and you, you meet the shopkeeper and he's like, oh, I kind of remember her. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Once again, it's like that Proustian passage of time, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely, you know, in one way it's a, it's a hard show to watch. In one way it's the easiest show you've ever watched, mm. ever. I mean, it just, I mean, I in my life I watch it when I'm eating dinner. And I watch it instead of watching some like pointless YouTube video. It's you know? so much. It's so much more healthy to watch because yeah. I think a lot of people have this image of idols, which is like you said earlier, like this like porny, oversexualized, hyper feminine like nonsense. It's very heartwarming. It's wholesome. It's wholesome. It's the most wholesome thing I've ever seen in my entire life, honestly. It's very heartwarming and it's very like. And the the funny thing about. Because in, in one way it invites you to view to view these characters in a very one-sided way. It's uh-huh. very like, and because there's so many girls, it it, it it becomes one-sided. But it has to. It has to. But at the same time, you delve deeper over time. And um, I mean, they delve deeper for certain characters than others. I mean, Nedu, everyone loves Nedu. So yeah. They're gonna go much deeper. Uh, but I mean, it, it's. It's a very because like when you talk to people in Japan that just love like even I, I literally can't speak Japanese and I literally can like talk to people and be like I love Yamashita-chan or I love Neru yeah and and they're like I love them too and it's like you develop you develop a relation to the group you develop a relation to the girls mm. and it's like I've told you um, like the real challenge of the show is that you have to love everyone. You know, the whole thing is Oshis. You know, like, who's your Oshi? Right. Uh, and that's that's how it becomes, like, the first the first way that you relate to the group. But eventually, like, like the you know, the woman who owns that Sakamichi bar, she loves everyone. Oh, yeah. She loves everyone. She loves everyone. And that's 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 what the show invites you to do, is, like, you need that... You develop a relation to everyone. You do. And really, that's kind of, like you said, it's an ethic that you should kind of develop throughout your whole life because you can you can eventually realize over time from watching this show that like every human life has these profound narratives of drama and humanism and they never milk it for something like trauma or upset or it is truly about the glistening beauty of knowing another person in a way joining the idol group is kind of like setting it to zero everyone is everyone becomes the same level that's right yeah and then whatever they do from that point is it now, they, I mean, they reference what happened in the past, like they played tennis or, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. they did dance or something like that. But, yeah, I mean, it makes a, I mean, because life is a level playing field, you know? We all have the same, I mean, we don't have the same opportunities, but we have the same opportunity to, like, make change. What we have is we have the same heart. We have the same heart. Every human being is someone who's capable of profound emotion. And yeah. even though I, I'm constantly, like, getting on my horse on this show about people who are out of touch with sentimentality and are, um, you know, trying to 
block themselves from emotion. I mean, they're that way for a reason. And watching this show is like, I'm not a big fan of the word empathy, but it is like one of the biggest like empathetic expanders of an individual's heart when you're watching it because no matter what these girls look like or who they are, like you see them fully, even though it's like a one-dimensional, you know, corporate presentation of them that is ultimately there to sell records. But from week to week, it I mean it may be one one-dimensional when you look at one episode, but when you see all of it. It's fucking four-dimensional. Yes, yeah. Because there are the layers of them on the show. That's the first layer. Then the next layer is them in the music. And then the layer outside of that is, are they in photo books? What are they like on other reality shows? You know, that kind of thing. And you see that happen quite often. And, like, the... The awareness of like the metatextual narrative of everything else that's going on and the acknowledgement of it makes it even more human. Well, there, there's a very old term, multimedia. Mm. So multimedia is like the idea that you should have a cartoon, you should have a movie, you should have action figures. With these girls, it, it like this is multimedia, but it's so it it works so well. Mm. I mean, it really because the thing is, people they listen to the music and they're like, what the hell am I listening to? But once you start watching the TV show, you're like, yeah, I love the music. Yeah, it's like, okay, for instance, I'll, I'll say it by name. Boof in the Discord is always like, there are too many instruments going on. I can't listen to this. It's, it's alienating. It's like, yeah, but that's Tenchon. And, and I love Tenchon. Exactly. And it's like, you listen, to, you listen to them, and then when you watch them on the show, and you begin to feel each of their own independent human engines pushing them forward and driving them in some direction, and then you listen to the music... That's when the individual threads start sticking out. And you, and you read the blog. You read the blogs. And you buy the photo book. Mm. And it's like, it's it's just, it's a whole, it's a whole output. And it is corporate, but, you know, everything's corporate. Everything's corporate. And I don't fucking, I think it's better that they're trying to sell themselves. They're trying to, like, we're all selling something. Why not make it deliberate? Right. And they're, they're all aspiring to be valuable. And... What's wrong in this world with aspiring to be someone of worth, you know? Very true. I think there's an episode that comes to mind when I'm thinking about these emotional climaxes and the interaction between, like, this consumer mode of looking at the girls, falling in love with them, beginning to, like, feel like you know them personally. And it is the episode where they go and they pray for the success of their last release single. Yeah. Because when the when the show starts, they have the hit release campaigns. Yes, and the campaigns consist of them like literally going and asking for help. But at a certain point, they become so successful that they're like, we need to make this like a meta request mm. for help. So we need to literally pray to the gods to help us be successful. Yeah, and they 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 pray often to shrines and stuff and and what have you. But a lot of it in the early days is like them going to. Like Popular Japanese celebrities or, or uh, politicians. Yeah. That was wild. Yeah. yeah, the one who's like, I love Fukuwa and I sing at a karaoke all the time. I'm like, yeah. oh my god, Japan is in good hands. <laughs> he did not win that election, by the way. <laughs> Great guy. Yeah, I was like, damn. But there was an episode where they go and they do, um, it's called Takigyo, which is when you go underneath a waterfall and you, uh, you do it and it is so cold that it, like, blisters out all of your thoughts. It eliminates all of your human processes because the pain of being under that cold, intense, harsh jet of water is so extreme that it blasts out your thoughts. And so they go and do Takikyo, where they go and sit underneath waterfalls in deep winter in northern Japan, and they pray for the success of their single. And it is one of the most... I just got chills. Like, 
I I was so moved and weepy watching yeah. the episode. It like changed my life. Well, in the Hinata Zaka show, it gets even crazier. They have them. There's one episode with Hinata Zaka where they have them do a 21 part relay where they basically have it's 21 different activities and they have to succeed in all 21 in a row and if they fail any of them they have to start at the beginning and they start over like 86 times and it takes like all day it takes like 18 hours or something and it is and it's literally like the most random shit it's like it's like like throwing a basketball and getting in the hoop yeah and then they have to like shoot something like i mean it's like the crazy stuff and these girls didn't prepare for it ahead of time. They didn't get any training. They prepared for maybe 30 or minutes or an hour. Yeah. I mean, it is... These hit campaigns are like... It's crazy. Oh, but I mean, in the, the, the Takigyo waterfall meditation one, when they're in the fucking snow forest and are like scream weeping about like the intensity and pressure of having this group like on their shoulders, it is such a humanist like... Raphaelite realization of the glistening power of people when they come together. I can't think of anything that's so inspiring in my entire life. Yeah. That episode really affected me. And this is a reality show, but it's it's definitely it, it's a it's a completely different like mind state for a reality show. Totally. I mean, it, it again, it's a very like positive. It's a very revitalizing show. Uh, it's not. I mean, it is brutal in some points, but it's not... Well, when I was first watching it, the first 50 episodes or so, I thought it was torture porn. Because they had those Senbatsu episodes where they show the order of people and they ridicule the girls mercilessly. One of my favorite episodes is the fashion critique episode. Yeah. Where they bring the girls in, uh, don't tell them what they're doing, and then they have to walk in in their daily clothes, and then they have two faggots and ugly hats brutally ripping them apart and calling them unfortunate looking, telling them everything they did wrong. Um, I think Koike, she sits there and she's deeply offended and hurt by what she hears and has to fight back tears. And it's the, fir- the first 50 episodes, oh, this is like amazing because it's the most intense torture porn I've ever seen in popular media. But then, once you spend so much time with them and then you watch them reach those pinnacles of human success, I'm like, and like true emotional resonation. It's like oh my god like you can feel like the whole pulse of humanity in this show and it's inspiring and it makes you want to be closer to people around you yeah no it's a very positive show and um and you know this is like a whole genre of show I mean the show exists for almost every idol group yeah it does yeah now Kiyakita Kakai is definitely the best one it's the best one and everyone agrees with this by the way even Nogizaka fans think that it's the best one yeah I mean I've watched 10 episodes of Nogizaka I watched about 80 of Hinatizaka and it's just (laughs) of course yeah as you know yeah I mean but (laughs) Kiyakita Kakai just the thing about Kiyakisaka is that they pick the girls based on personality. And the girls are strange. Yeah. They are weird girls. They're not talented. They're not... They're bad singers, they're bad dancers, and they're awkward. Yeah. All they, of them. They pick them based on personality. Yeah. With the second generation, they pick them based on talent. Right. And they, and they still... There were there are, there are girls that are, like, so funny, so interesting. Mm. Like Rina Inoue, Yui Takemoto... Mm. I mean, Yui is so funny on the reality show. Yeah, like, she's amazing. She's great. And Rina Inoue is very funny. Um, so there, there's definitely stars that come that come to the top, but um, and it's not even it's not even the hits. Like Morita Hikaru is like funny. Well, she's not funny, but she's like the center of most of the singles. These she days. is. Yeah, yeah. And Tenchan 
becomes like she's like a tryhard. You yeah, know? like she she always, she's always trying hard. But when she first joins, she has no idea what to do. No, she's at all. I mean, she was 13 and a half years old when she yeah. joined. Yeah. The first time you see her on the show, she is not 14 years old. Yeah. And I guess a lot of people would have like the idea of like, oh, it's like child labor or it's exploitative. But to be honest, because this culture is so boiled into Japan, they all know what they're signing up for. This is a very, it's a very, like, salaryman type thing. I mean, these girls are bought in for years and years and years. Yeah. And even when they leave, there's, like, off, like, Sugayuka is represented by the same company, like yeah. Seed and Flower. It, it's a very, like, it's a very explicitly Japanese thing. And I really don't think the business model would translate it wouldn't. to any other country. I mean, you can't even keep, okay, in like, what, there's Fifth Harmony, right? They couldn't even keep those girls together for 10 years. Yeah. And there's fucking five of them. How serious can it be? Yeah. There are 26 girls in this damn group. And it's like, they literally, like, because they have this, like, Japanese work ethic where it's like, you really care about what you do and you, you sacrifice your own individuality for the sake of the collective success of everyone, it makes the whole thing work. But it's funny, too, because by sacrificing their individuality and not putting themselves at the forefront, they actually create, they become more individual. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the classic, like, uh, what is that? It's you know it's not duality it's a it's a dialectic it's a dialectic yeah I'm trying to remember it's cruel um, cruel intimate what is that book called let me look it up Keep cruel talking. angels thesis no it's not that um well I have lots of comments but I'll wait until you find what what is it called so Lauren Berlant she's been talked about by our favorite Dasha Negrasova on Red Scare. So Lauren Berlant, she's like, um, what is it called? It's affect theory. But oh. she, she writes a book called Cruel Optimism. And it's basically about how, um, it's about dialectics and, and like, because American life is like peeling apart and uh, the American dream is peeling apart. Right. But you're only propelled forward by your belief that uh, there is some future you can carve out for yourself. Yeah. And in Japan, it's an even further accelerated version of that, where, I mean, it, it's not so much that, because, like, you can get a job in Japan, but the salary is so low. Mm. And it's hard to, like, get a higher salary. And it's hard to do the job. It's You're in there until... 11 p.m. I mean, the guy went on a date with her earlier today. He said that he used to work from 6 a.m. to midnight. Yeah. And so, and then the other thing with Japan is, like, literally the population is dying. So, mm. it's, you know, in 50 years from now, what is it even going to be? You know, so in America, we're going to be around 50 years from now. Yeah. But the American dream is imploding. Right. And, but it's all about dialectics. But you're right. I mean, it's... No, but I mean, you're, you're totally right. And it's so inspiring to see these girls in the face of a literal apocalypse where, like, there is so little hope. I mean, I think Japanese young people have very little hope about the state of the country. And a lot of them want to get out. They don't like it. I mean, it, it's, wor- it's not as bad as Korea where everyone collectively agrees that nothing good is coming of yeah. this. There are still plenty of people who have hope in the country and also because of language barrier and cultural reasons will never leave. But there is a lot of dire energy around this. And so when you're seeing these girls come together as uncanny, weird, awkward, gangly personalities um, and collectively aspiring to do something and then you pair it with the music, which is all about fighting against society disobeying its rules, being an individual. Because that's the only way that Japan can move forward. Japan can only move, because the problem with Japan 
is that Japanese companies only work with Japanese companies, and they don't want to forge alliances with other countries. I mean, the U.S. forges alliances with literally every country. Right. We don't care. In Japan, it's always like they, you know, they they always want to stick with their own. And but because of that, they don't grow. Because the way that you grow is by having good alliances with other、mm. people. And it's, you know, yeah. I don't know. No, I know what you mean. I, I mean, I used to work in like hiring, so I've seen all of this like straight up with Japanese companies that will like find someone who's a perfect match, but because they're from like Korea or China, they're like, well, they're not Japanese. Yeah. But at the same time, I do kind of get it as well because it's like the 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 mode of thinking. It's like you you couldn't get an American to think like the girls in Sakurazaka and Kekizaka do. You know, you couldn't get an American who doesn't like. They want to commit. An American would not commit like they do. No. No. I feel like I try to, and even I'm a fucking lazy asshole, and I get too emotional about something, and I take a month off the podcast. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh, my, I'm sad, so I'm gonna do the day profundus episode, and then I'm gonna be sad for a month、yep. and not do anything. You can't do that if you're a fucking idol, and it's aspirational、no. and it's inspiring to see. Yeah, they're an individual, but they are part of the team. And if they if they drop out, they're letting the team down. And the idea of this country is that you are a part of the team, and you're not anything else than that. And it's like maybe you can、uh, break out from it, and, and through your own talent and individuality, you can carve your own path. But until you can prove that you can do that, you're a part of the team, and don't fucking fuck up. Americans don't have that state of mind. No. In America, it's all about mobility. It's all about. It's all about going appealing to the lowest common denominator. Yeah, yeah.、Um, and I, I think it's definitely just. I think it's linked to the way that Japanese people live in communities that are so close together. Right. They're so close knit, and、um, you know, in many ways, I mean. I, I mean, I I literally think that Japan is like a better country than America. It、no、certainly is, in my opinion, as no well. No question. When I went back, I was I was worried that I was gonna like go back to the states and be like, oh, it's so much better here. I've been deluding myself. No, no, I was right. No, it's better, but it's also it's failing. Like no question. You know, it is, and I mean that's just you know what's gonna happen with so many countries in the next fifty years, but. All you can do is work with the team and, like, you know, go sit under that can, waterfall. All you can control is yourself. That's all you can control.、Mm. So it's like, and so much of the modern moment is about futzing over, like, you know, the meta narrative, the what what's happening in Russia or whatever. It literally the, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Politics don't matter. What matters is what you do. Your entire life is yourself, and、yeah. watching this show really reaffirmed that for me. That it's like, no matter what's happening, like, because in the in the background of this of This TV series is like inhuman disaster and cataclysm. Like the way that this group was like failing and exploding because of Tetchi and because of so many outside. But you would never know from the state of the show. They they acknowledge it very lightly, very obtusely, very obtusely. It's never a forefront of the show, and they never victimize themselves for it.、And、they literally Tetchi is like they're sometimes like Tetchi. What do you think about this? Because she won't say anything. And then she、show. just disappears from the show for hundreds of episodes. Yeah, yeah. It's like Tetchi, who is the center of the group and is like the focal point of it. She's barely on the show, and it's all the better for it, in my opinion. But yeah, because、yeah. like the real leaders of of Kiyaki Saka are Sugayuka, Sugayuka, Oriyakane. Yeah. Nagahamanedu,、uh, uh-huh. and they come to the forefront. I mean, Sugai is a huge part of the show. Oh yeah, and Su- we haven't even talked about Sugai yet. Sugai is a great example of how you can overcome initial expectations because she's literally she's at the beginning she's like denoted as the princess because、yes. she's rich, 
and then but she overrides that she beats it and then the princess moniker gets passed on to the girl from the second generation yeah i can't remember her name uh, fuck her yeah but like but basically sugai becomes the horse girl like she's just the horse girl yeah and and they sometimes make references references to the princess thing but it doesn't rule her and it's funny because you know we talked about a lot of the girls who like fail at what they aspire to be and then they learn how to accept themselves as they are but sugai yuka is like the rare example of someone who can accept the image bite through it and then through the sheer force of will kill it yeah the killer yeah because she's so she's so magnetic and she also she's she's entertaining because she has that little what does she have like some kind of she has a speech tick where she can't pronounce certain Japanese characters like yeah. she I think her problem is that she has problems with like the word she, I, I think she has problems with the, with the character she if I remember correctly and she presses yeah. a G instead yeah and so they frequently ridicule her for it but nonetheless she persisted. <laughs> it doesn't. Nevertheless, she persisted. Yeah, no, she's like a great member of the show, and and she's like she's still with the same management team. Yeah, she's probably one of the more promising members. So we'll see what she does from here on out. But it, you know, another thing I wanted to talk about is like um, outside of like us watching these girls' independent development, we also see their development with each other in crystalline, lucid fucking detail. Because they do entire episodes that are devoted to mapping out the relationships of these girls. Relationship mapping. It's so good. There's an episode where they literally just pick apart... They have Sugayuka, who we mentioned, who is the the group captain. And she prevents, on a whiteboard, photos of every girl drawing lines between them and explaining their romances and their affection and their friendships with each other. And it is one of the most fascinating half hours of TV I've ever seen. It's so good. Because everyone loves Odanana. Oh, yes. Everyone loves Odin. Which you don't realize before because she's like a nothing character on the show up until that point. Yeah. And then she's characterized as the male of the show. Yeah. And because there's also episodes where they do like scenarios where basically a girl gets cosplayed as a guy and then she acts in a scenario with a girl. Yeah. And the scenario is written by the girl. So it's like her dream. Because the thing is, these girls, they have a no dating clause. Like they can't. They don't technically have a clause. What it is is that the cultural expectation is that band. they do not do it. Yeah. And you understand that if you date outside the show, then you are breaking the fucking rules. Well, if you just date, not date outside the show. Oh, obviously, yeah. If yeah. you date, because these girls, they're not. Well, <laughs> well, well, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, so one of the one of the common threads behind this that leads to this relationship episode being so fascinating is that there is a lesbian edge to this show these girls love each other they love each other and it it is romantic it is physical it is affectionate they are doing everything but the scissoring yeah yeah oh my god there's one scene there's one scene where Suzumoto like mounts Odonana oh yes and then and Suchita's like that I just saw it in my mind's eye <laughs> and then Suchita was like that was way more erotic than I thought it would be mm. I mean it's crazy and um but yeah, I mean it's so it's not literal, but like, but there is a dating ban. Yeah, there is a the, the dating ban exists, but like the way that these girls like connect with each other is so intense because if you think about it, these are twenty one like teenage girls they're that are spending, locked. They're probably spending eight hours all of day. their time together, all yeah. of their time because they don't even go to normal girl school. They go to like weird idol girl school, and they all many of them live in the same dorm. Yeah, and so like they have this intense social bubble where it's like only them. 
and they do fall in love with each other in a way that is really beautiful and it's like you know you think about um, kind of like the BAP thing about like male love between like comrades and and without having to have sex with each other that you they have a deep admiration and like love for someone of the same sex I have never seen that as like clearly pristine as I have on this show yeah it is shocking and it's kind of I'll say it because I'm gay and I don't have any erotic fixation on these girls. It's sexy. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. And it's like the relationship mapping episode. Um, it's just so, it's so literal. Mm. You know? I mean, it's it's just, they really spell it out. Yeah. That's the thing about the show. Everything is spelled out. And the thing is that it's not to the hosts. The, the hosts are kind of like a stand-in for the audience because they don't know what's going on backstage either. And so they do these inquiries. And then they have my favorite sequence of episodes, the investigation episodes, yeah. where they take some strange social happening in the group and then they do an entire 25-minute intense deep survey into why this is happening. And I think one of the best episodes of the whole show is the Oda Nana popularity investigation two-part epic episode. Two parts. It's two parts. It's over two weeks. 50 minutes. 50 minutes of asking why is Oda Nana so popular with the girls? And uh, this is so... Oh, yeah. Carlton needs her cigarettes lit for her. The Oda Nana popularity investigation is literally one of the most impressive hours of TV I've ever seen ever. Don't you think? It's really good. There's other... Yeah, yeah. I mean... I, I haven't watched it recently. I haven't, with my rewatch, I yeah. haven't seen it yet. But uh, what, what was important for it about you? Well, to me, I guess, nice question. You're a natural-born podcaster girl. Well. Well, as you know. As you know. <laughs> but no, for me, it was like, it was watching this, like, kind of, like, the episode was obviously, oh, did it light? It, it, it's going. Okay, let's try again. Inhale while I'm lighting. There you go. So obviously, it's kind of, like, set up to be funny, right? Like, it's kind of be like, this dumb, gangly, random girl is, like, why is she so popular? Yeah, they hinted at it previously with the relationship With the relationship happened. episode, yeah. Because they're like, everyone loves Odinana. Why is that? Why is that? She doesn't show herself on the show. So they put her on a big fucking throne. They give her Nicki Minaj entrance music, yeah. which is one of the she most... She sits on a throne. When the moment that they unveil the curtain and she awkwardly walks to the throne yeah. and they play Nicki Minaj music is the strangest thing I've ever seen ever. Yeah. But then they, they always <laughs> play music that's owned by Sony because it's a Sony mm. production. So they'll play like Michael Jackson and they'll play like all this random stuff. The music rights are giving. Yeah. And so it shows her walking to this throne and then for the course of two episodes, they just investigate and interview every member as to why she is so popular and it's because And number one is Suzumoto. Oh. Suzumoto loves Odinana. Suzumon. Suzumon. I love her. Yeah. She's one of my favorites as well. She's but a star. Yeah, they, they, they all of these girls fall in love with her because she has this like masculine presence and yeah. she's like a boyfriend to all of them. She takes their calls at random hours of the day. Um there's an episode where they have them talk about things they don't like in the group, and one girl says, Odanana ignores my calls. Yeah. And oh, it's, um, oh, it's Nagasawa. It's Nagasawa. And she points at herself and she goes, Kirai? Because she's so in love with Odanana that she wants to be on the phone with her all the time. And I feel this way towards Andrew. Yeah. If Andrew hangs up my phone call or he's doing something, I'm like pointing at myself and be like, Do you hate me? Kirai? It's like. <laughs> 
it, it is such a. And then they eventually negotiate that they can talk for five minutes a day, and then after they've negotiated that, then Nagasawa says that's not enough. I need more than five. Minutes I need a day. more than five minutes. It's so good. <laughs> And this uh, Odenata popularity investigation ends with all of them, like literally the entire cast breaking down into screaming, weeping tears because of how much they love this girl and how much of a steadfast support she's been for all of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. It's crazy. It's crazy. I really hope that uh, maybe what if, if I get one person after hearing this to be inspired enough to watch the show, I'll be so happy. Because the first It's so easy to watch. It's on Kavids. It's you just literally go just go to Kavids, you go to the episode, you watch it in order, there are nice subtitles, sometimes there are inconvenient ads. The subtitles are wonky well, sometimes. The funny thing is the ads go in and go out because they I think they get a new host for the ads and they realize like nobody's watching this. Mm. So it's like why am I investing in this in this website? Mm. So it'll be like it'll be like a month with ads and it'll all go away. And then they'll get a, a worse ad advertiser, which is just literally twenty seven minute YouTube videos that you have to press the skip button on or they will play the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a really unique viewing experience as well. But I mean, I, if I can get one person, honestly, to get into this, I can guarantee you, if you watch the whole run of the show, it will absolutely change your life. It will it will expand your heart in new directions that you did not know could possibly feel. And you need, honestly, I don't even think you need to listen to them to get the show. Well, you it's would, better if they, you do. They show the music with the show. They play the music in the show. They do the single releases where they're promoting it. Uh, in the early episodes, they used to perform some of the music. Idol music is basically the most clear way that I have developed an entirely new zone of appreciation. Mm. I mean, it is an entirely new piece of media that I was completely unaware of. Yes. Because, like, we, we do have the tokusatsu in America. We have Power Rangers. Like, we have, they, they bring, anime is everywhere. It's everywhere. I mean, but, this but is Idol different. Music, nobody, nobody listens to Idol Music in America. No, 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 no one does. Everyone no we one talk does. to, everyone we talk to, and it's like, I'm American, and I love Sugai Yuka. They're like, what? What the fuck? Why do you know that? Yeah. I'm literally, what, what I am given for free right now on, on this podcast is like, access to an entire different realm of thought. Yeah. It, it's like almost Kantian, like how different this is. It's an entirely new realm of experience and it's so valuable. And that's part of the reason I like your podcast is because you have incredible taste. And I mean, part of that taste is literally because you just live in another country. Hi. Hi. They told us, uh, get your money together because we're closing in 15 minutes. Okay. But no, I mean, I appreciate that because honestly, one of the one of the missions of this show is that like there are untold realms of culture that people just have no fucking idea about. People don't know about Gundam even. Like Gundam is, is pretty easy. That's like that's like right below the the water on the on the iceberg. But it's like so big. There's it's so, so much big. Gundam. Yeah, but the thing is is like once you learn how to get into it or like once you like open your heart to new media that's outside of the West, yeah. it will it will make With you Gundam, such a positive... There's the show, and there's the figures, and that's it. Yeah. With this... There's everything. There's like six or seven. There things. are CDs. There are movies. There are concert live DVDs. There are, there are handshake events. There are photos. There are Polaroid photos. There are photo books. There are books of essays written by the members. There, There's everything. Yeah. And it's like, no one fucking knows about this. And the thing is, it's like, it's not that hard to get into it. It's not that hard. The show is easy to watch and you fall in love with them and then you want to know more. The, the basic element of, 
of, of enjoying idol media is that I like this girl for some reason. Yeah. That's it. And like, okay, what I like about American pop culture is I get invested in the personality and the narrative, right? Like, the reason that I still am like in, interested in Lady Gaga is because she has this like strange flop career at this moment where she is like in a really awkward juncture of culture. So imagine that, which I have to really extrapolate and reach for, but imagine that literalized into a 250 fucking episode show where every detail is literalized and you can see every fucking piece. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. But then you also should watch the Soccer Soccer Show. I will get there. Yeah. yeah. I'm a busy girl. And on another 150. And then, you know what, I'll see you in a year next time you're in Japan, and then we're going to do the Sakura Zaka show, you know? But you seriously, all that you know, Carlton, you have such an important place in my heart because you dove in. You didn't make any, you didn't make any concessions about it. You didn't, like, pretend that it's, like, some inscrutable thing. You just said, I don't know about this. Let me try. Here, let me try. It's easy. You just start watching it. All you have to do is just try. You just have to try a little bit. Okay, I'm going to call... I'm going to say a name. I'm going to call him out. Alec, filthy Armenian. Love her. Incredible podcaster. Genius. So unique. And yet, I asked him to watch a J-drama, which is a a form that is at least vaguely similar to American dramas. He could not... Which one? Life. I haven't seen it. It's okay. You'd like it, but... He, he couldn't get it. He, he just, like, he refused. And it's like, you don't you don't have to refuse. You can just, like, be like these girls and suck it up and fucking do it. And then once you do, you have an entire new universe of art exposed to you. And I am so fucking sick of people being like, idols are weird. They're uncomfortable. And fuck you. Anyone who thinks it's weird just hasn't watched it. They just don't get it's, it. It's literally, it's literally, like... It's like Barbie. I mean, it's just Barbies. It's it's literally just it's literally Barbie dream house. Yeah. It's like watching a bunch of funny, cute, because every, charismatic, interesting Barbies interacting in the goddamn dream house. Every literally. Month, every month they get a new uniform. They change their haircut every couple weeks. Yes. They they every episode they have a certain little intro they do. Uh. They do a little like funny thing. They make funny jokes. I mean, it's literally just it's just Barbie. It's just Barbie. And okay, one other thing is that watching them change their clothes when they have a new single out, when they change their uniforms, it is breathtaking and exciting. You feel yeah. Once again, the it would pl- feel more breathtaking if you actually watched it once in a, one episode every week. I know you you would be yeah. so gooped. I, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's a Proustian passage of time. Yeah, it's all about life and death. It really is. It's one of the few types of media where that's a visual media. It's like Boyhood, you mm. know, Boyhood. But oh my god, it is. It's like fucking Richard Linklater. It totally is. Yeah. And it doesn't take that much. All you have to do is see, read the boy, subtitles. But see, Boyhood is so deliberate. It's so deliberate. It's so try hard. It, this isn't try hard. I it like I like Boyhood. This just happens. It is a narrative. It, but this is a narrative in post text. It's like the life is happening and then they do it immediately. Yeah. And so that, that try hard element that you're talking about is something I like Boyhood for. But in fucking Kiaki the Kakenai, you like, oh my god, it's breathtaking. Yeah. Wow. Oh my god, you get it. We get it. As you know. Well, (laughs) well.
so we have uh, we have left the Smokers Cafe that I adore so dearly, and we are on the way back to my home station. Um, and to close out tonight's conversation, I wanted to talk a little bit about the other artistic experience that we now have in common, which is Sakurazaka 46's third anniversary live. Now, Sakurazaka is the reformed version of Keiki Zaka 46. And what happened was that after Techi quit, they underwent a massive rebranding. They uh, decided to completely change their direction and start over. And um, we got to see Sakurazaka, which includes uh, four, I think four or five? There's five. There's five. There's Tuabura <laughs> Arena. Mm-hmm. There's Koike. Habuchan, Kobayashi Yui, and who else? Uh, ano Inoue Rina. I already said that. that oh. Was it's someone else. There's five total. Techi, just kidding. But we got to see them live, and we got to see first generation members live, and. Um, that was my original reason I wanted to come to the show is that it was going to be a pilgrimage to see the, the, the women before they leave. And as and as expected, it was well worth it because it worth it, yeah. they announced another one of their graduations today. So, but but the thing is, in that meantime, in that year of me like watching the show, listening to the music, now I love the second generation more than the first generation. I do not feel that way, but I'm happy that you do because those <laughs> girls will be around for a well, long time. Fuchan is the fifth one. F- yeah, Fuchan, uh, Fuchan of course, yeah. Your favorite. <laughs> uh, of the first generation girls that linger, yes. Well, yes. it was Habu, but now she's gone. Habu's anyway, so cool. yeah. But it's like, um, okay, so I had been so deeply into this group for about seven years, and I had never seen them live. I never got to see them live as Keikizaka, and uh, I have existed in obscurity. <laughs> liking this group with well, no... I, I kind of pushed you to be like, you should like care about Sakurazaka. I know you did because, okay, the, 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 when originally when I first... I was like, if the women are there, you have to, you have to, like, you have to, it. you have to stand. Yeah. And the thing is, is that I was not impressed by some of their singles. I thought they became more generic. My opinion about that has changed. Um, but I, I, even in my original document, I'm like, they're totally generic shit now. That is not the case. I was wrong. Start Over really changed my opinion about everything. But you did inspire me to give them a critical reappraisal. And, oh my god, I cannot tell you how much of a emotional reckoning it was to see them in person. Um, we saw them in... Zozo Marine Stadium, a baseball stadium in Chiba Prefecture with 30 fucking thousand people. And after being so alone, with the exception of like you, and like seeing that many people all gathered for the same thing was like going to Mecca. It was really crazy. And the funny thing is, you know, I don't speak Japanese. I don't really intend to learn it. And it's like, I would just go up to people, and I, like they would have like a Sugai Yuka like, photo book, or not photo book, like a, like, a little pin photo card. A yeah, or a photo card pinned yeah. to their back. Like, I love Sugai Yuka. And then they would be like, oh my god. Like, and there's one guy who literally gave me a full set of Yamashita-chan cards, which the market value is probably like $40 or something. Oh yeah, but he was so moved, you but know? He was like, he, no, he was like, I have to give these to you. Like, he was like, I have to give you the whole set. And, and it was like it was, it was so funny. I mean, it's so nice of him. You know, we, we are walking in Shinjuku Station, by the way, so it's going to be loud, but we'll power through. Um, in any case, like 
after we've talked a lot about how intense and emotional it is to watch these girls develop over time and become human beings uh, over the course of 250 episodes. But then it is another layer entirely to not only see them develop, but then to see their human flesh in reality. Yes. Tenshan right in front of you. Oh, Cotting my right God. in front of you. Cotting right in front of me. I will never, ever forget in my entire life when I when we noticed Cotting to yeah. the left of us in the stands. I was like, that's Cotting. And you were like, is it? And I was like, is it Rina? And then it was Cotting. <laughs> and then it was Cotting. And it was like... I really understand why this, um, oh my god, this station is so loud. Um, <laughs> I really understand how this, like, Akimoto Yasushi, the producer of all of these groups, his model works so well. The idols you can meet model works so well. Because when you do go to these events and then you see their human bodies, it is like witnessing God incarnate. It is like literally a holy event. Don't you think? It is. It is. I mean, it's really special. I mean, we were, we were very close to Morita Hikaru, and she 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 looks like a pixie when you see her on TV. But the proportions of her body, I mean, when she moves, <laughs> she looks like a pixie. And it's like it's like it's like you're looking at Tinkerbell. I mean, it's crazy. And we saw Rina Inoue, and like she ran right under our section. And yeah, it does get. And when, when like Tenshan like waved in my direction, it was like it's like she saw my light stick. Like she saw the what do you call it? Is that a light stick? Yeah, yeah, you can call it a light stick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like she saw my Tenshan light stick, and she waved at me. And and it's also and when the when these girls when they like express themselves like in the live, they're replicating their character as it is on the TV show. Right. So Connie was very like untrying, kind not cold, but like. She's like a queen. She's like the queen. And then Tenshan is just the absolute try-hard. Like, oh, yeah. She's giving performance, hard. performance, performance. Yeah. One sec. We're going up the escalator. <laughs> okay, we're going to walk to the left here. Yeah, like Tenchan, she basically she joined the group very early, and she never stopped being a tryhard, even though she's probably number one or number two for the whole group. She's so talented. Mm. You know, she's an amazing performer, <laughs> unlike all the first generation girls who had to fight to survive to keep up with the second gen girls. One thing we haven't talked about with Sakurazaka is that the skill level is so much higher. It now. is. It's so much higher. Because um, one of the things that endears me about the first generation is that it's a bunch of girls who don't know what they're doing and are forced to, within an inch of their spines, work so fucking hard to pull off a live performance or music video that they were passionate out on stage and now the girls are good at what they do and the choreography when you see it in person is unbelievable okay because really good we had that one section of the stage that was really close to us and you could like see the minutiae of them like in person and it was fucking when you watch literally 26 girls at the same time doing precise choreography as they're collapsing on top of each other and standing on each other's backs and climbing up. I'm like, oh my god. I am literally witnessing the second coming. The start over was a very dramatic part of the performance. Is that when you cry? When did you cry? Um, I don't know. It's hard to isolate. You know. I cried when they did the first single from their album Meisatsu and I cried. It's probably just the songs I like the most. I cry. I, oh, I, I, 
I don't know how much you saw me during like start over, but I was like exploding. He was bawling. I was jumping. They're like jump, bawling. jump, jump, and I was like, oh, I will do what you say, girl. I will leap and thunder for you. No, it was very good. This is the first uh, concert of that scale I've been to. I mean, there's me plenty, as well. There's plenty I could have gone to in the U.S. that are that scale, but mostly the price would have deterred me from wanting to do it. And um, you know, that's the thing about Japan is that with these idol shows, the tickets themselves are cheap, but the process of getting the tickets is torturous. Oh, I mean, it's it's an absolute like it's a pilgrimage to get to these concerts. So. In order to get to this fucking baseball stadium in a different prefecture outside of Tokyo, we had to take a train for an hour and 20 minutes, wait in line for a half hour for a bus, take a bus for 20 minutes, and then when we wanted to get merch, when we yeah. wanted to do well, anything. The more torturous thing was actually getting the tickets. Which is that a miracle was, that we did. That was torturous. I mean, because we, we failed seven of eight lotteries. One of the eight lotteries we couldn't enter because we had to get a credit card for it. <laughs> And then, and then we finally got it on a resale, which had a, t- a lottery as well. Yes, and I mean, we got like we got shitty tickets, and at then first. We, at first, and they said, okay, we're gonna be able to go. But then we went into the resale lottery and finally got tickets that were worth shit. Those who don't fight don't survive. Those who don't fight won't survive. Truly, uh, we're getting on the Chuo line towards my apartment, but I just. Okay, synthesizing all of this into, like, one cohesive artistic statement. Looking at Sakurazaka, looking at the show, Carlton, what on earth has been this whole artistic experiment? What, what is its meaning for you? Um, I mean, it's really opened my eyes to what media can be, uh, because it's so basic in one way, because it's literally just the appreciation of like someone's qualities, right? And just the, the appreciation of like of, of like a cute woman, you know. It's just it's just cute women, you know. It's like the whole show. At the end of the day, that is what it is. That, that, that is what it is. That's why Ronald likes Snowman because he likes <laughs> the cute guys. Yeah, you know? that is what it is. Um, and you can convince yourself of anything that um, if someone is cute enough that it's like you know artistically worth it. But the thing is, is that. I'm not that especially fascinated by straight women. No. Girls being cute is not enough for me. No, it's not. No, so, I see these girls for who they really are, which are burgeoning emblems of the intense nerve of humanity to collaborate and love other people and then become a greater product by collecting together. Yeah. It's a reflection of Japan. It really is. I couldn't have said it better myself. I think the reason I love this country so much is that all these people that we're staring at right now in between the Yamanote and the Chuosen lines, I'll never talk to any of these people. We have nothing in common. But you're part of the same organization. Exactly. People always are trying to be like, oh, you're just a stupid foreigner. You're probably like an English teacher. Like, you don't know anything. They'll never accept you as Japanese. I'm like, no, you're right. They're not going to accept me as Japanese. That's clearly not the case. What they will accept me as is a foreign person living in their country. And we are all contributing towards the same mission. And I find that to be really beautiful. In America, you are contributing towards the same mission, but nobody recognizes it. When you go to McDonald's in Japan, people recognize that what they're doing is important. What they are doing is they are making food that feeds people and that food is cheap and it's sustaining and it's relatively high in nutrition it's high in calories Mm. and that's good 
And in America, you go to any fast food place and everybody hates their life. Nobody nobody recognizes the value of what they do. But it's it's all high value. Everyone has their place. Everyone everyone thinks that what they do isn't important. You know, but it is important. But in Japan, people recognize that more deeply. It may not be a full realization, but it, it's more it's more close to reality. And in America, we've lost that sense completely. And what these girls do on stage is that they realize that, like, yes, I'm a dumb fucking teenage girl who doesn't know shit, but I'm going to learn how to be a person for people's consumption. And that is a worthwhile and important human element because, okay, when we went to the concert, both of us were pretty impressed that, like, we were expecting a lot of, like, otaku, very, like, geeky, nerdy. Everyone was very stylish. People were very stylish. Very posh. The men who went looked good. I saw probably, like, Maybe 30 to 40% of people were otakus. And most people were either normal looking or very posh. Absolutely. I'm sorry, I got quiet on the trains. So I got embarrassed. Watch out behind you. Well, the music, the music with Sakurazaka is like, is much more posh than, you know, Kiyaki was. Oh, yeah. Th- that is why initially I was so turned off, I think, from them is because like the Kiyaki music is so confrontational and aggressive and intense and loud and annoying. And then... The Sakurazaka music is... It's more listenable. It's more approachable. But it's still very... It is aggressive in its own way. It is. It's aggressive literally in its prissiness. You know? (laughs) And also the singles, like the lyrics on the singles, like Start Over and the new one and... I mean... Bon and... The the composing for Start Over is so different from everything else with Sakurazaka. Oh, it's very different. Yeah. I, I needed that to break me back in, and it, it, it does feel like a reset. But it's like, anyway, like thinking about all of those like otaku and like the like the, the the people who went. It's like, I don't know. Everyone was on the same page. It's like this is like this big cultural exorcism that like these lyrics are all about resisting society while we still take our place in it. And it's like learning about how to be an individual within a system that doesn't support you. And it's like, Americans would rather fall on their ass and fucking flop and, like, kill themselves and, like, lose than to accept that there is a terrifying, harsh, brutal system on top of you and then you have to thrash within it. And that's what Sakurazaka music and what the process of going to their concerts and watching the, the live show, that's what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, all you can control is yourself. That's all you can control. Mm. You can you can try to, in, but the people who get influenced, very few, very few can influence things. That's a, literally what their first fucking single, Nobody's Fault, is about. It's like the the first single after they reformed from Keikizaka into Sakurazaka, Nobody's Fault, is about the fact that you cannot blame anyone else or yourself for the dissatisfaction that you have, and the only control you have in this entire world is over your own conduct. And that's the Japanese one. And that is the Japanese way. Those who don't fight won't survive. Here we go. To support the continuation of your favorite online experimental art audio project, please pledge $5 to I'm So Popular on patreon.com slash I'm So Popular. The bonus episodes of the show, the essential untouched continuation sirens, as well as access to the Discord and Chi-Chi's book club. Ja, mata ne. Okay.